We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and I'll invite you to find 1 Corinthians chapter 7 in your Bible. Working our way through 1 Corinthians this summer. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning at verse 17. I'd like to begin just by reading the passage together. 1 Corinthians 7, 17 through 24. And then I'm going to point out just four four important points from the passage. Let's read it together, beginning at verse 17. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Let's pray for God's help to receive this passage. Father, please do help us. Help us to see your glory in your word, to see wonderful things in your word. Help us to be soft-hearted and receptive to it. Help us to submit to your word, acknowledging the fact that you are God. We are your people. You are the creator. We are your creation. And we want to honor you and please you in our lives. Please tune our hearts to your word now. Fill us with your spirit. We look to you in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Before we look at the four things I want to point out in this passage, and of course there's more in here than we'll be able to look at in depth this morning, I want you to begin thinking along the terms of this passage with me. So I'll ask you a rhetorical question. What does it look like to follow Jesus Christ as a modern American Christian? What would it look like to perfectly follow Jesus Christ as a Christian in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, 2017, our context? What would it look like to perfectly respond to God's call? You know, God has called people all through his revelation. We saw him call Abraham from his home country to an unknown land. And so for Abraham to respond to this call meant to leave his home. And we saw God's calling his elect people Israel out as a special people. And for them, it also involved a leaving to go to someplace else. Remember the Exodus, they left slavery in Egypt to go to the promised land. A great deal 
of the old covenant centered around them getting set in the promised land. And so for them to respond to God's call had to do with leaving, had to do with moving, had to do with changing, even location. When Jesus called the first disciples, they left. They left their fishing businesses and their tax collection booth and their families and their fathers. And they literally followed Jesus physically around as Jesus walked around and taught. Is it similar for us today to follow Jesus and respond to his call? Are we supposed to leave something, go somewhere, change something about our life circumstance? The Corinthians were a little confused about all this. Uh, Their confusion centered on the issue of marriage, as we've been talking about for the last several weeks. Some of them thought that in order to be holy, in order to follow Jesus and to respond to his call, they needed to change their marital status. They were in an extremely pagan, idolatrous culture. And many of them had non-Christian spouses who were pagan idolaters. And they thought, well, maybe for me, I need to divorce so that I can follow Jesus, respond to this call. And others had similar confusion in different regards related to marriage. Paul's instruction to them here takes a more broad approach. And it's going to be very instructive to us, I think, as we think about how to follow Jesus in our context. He really only has one message in this passage, and he repeats it three times. He repeats it in verse 17, verse 20, and verse 24. Let's just read those three verses. Verse 17. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. And then he gives the example about circumcision. And then in verse 20, he restates it again in a little bit of a different way. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. And then he gives an example about bond servants. And then he ends it, repeating it again in verse 24. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. So Paul's answer to this question is that you don't need to change anything about your current circumstances or condition in order to follow Jesus Christ. You don't need to change anything about your current situation in order to respond to God's call through Jesus Christ. Stay right where you are, and you can follow Jesus. Stay right where you are, and you can respond to God's call. Now, the four things I want to point out to you in this. The first one, each Christian is called by God. Each Christian is called by God. That means each one of you, if you are a Christian, has been called by God. Let me show you that in those three verses we just read. Verse 17, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him. Verse 20, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Verse 24, so brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. The idea is that each and every person is assigned by God. Each and every Christian is called by God. Every bit as much as Abraham was called by God, 
You, if you are a Christian, have been called by God. Every bit as much as Noah was called by God to build the ark, you, if you're a Christian, have been called by God to follow Jesus. Every bit as much as Paul, with his dramatic conversion, was called by God, so are you, so am I. Now there's, Paul opens his letter talking about this call in verse 2 and 9 of chapter 1. I'll just read those to you real briefly so we can get a sense of what this call is that we all receive from God. He writes, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Every Christian has this call to be a saint along with all the other people who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're called to be a saint. Down in verse 9, he mentions it again. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So each and every one of us called to be a saint, called into the fellowship of Jesus Christ. I just want you to get a sense of the glory of your calling as a Christian. I don't know if you think of yourself in these terms as a called one of Christ, but if you're a Christian, you are. I also don't want to be presumptuous and assume that we all are Christians in here. In any gathering of the church, we have to keep in mind that not everybody may have received this call. And if you haven't, I urge you to receive it today. Through Jesus Christ, God calls to himself a people who he makes saints, people who he bonds together in the fellowship of Jesus Christ, the shared life of a Christian. Each is called. The second thing I want to point out, we share a common calling, but kaleidoscopic conditions. I really like that phrase, even though I know it's awkward. We share a common calling, but kaleidoscopic conditions. You remember kaleidoscopes from when you were a kid, or maybe some of you to relax after a hard day of work, pull out a kaleidoscope when you get home, but you look through and you, through the, the tube or whatever it is, and light comes through, and there's all these little bits of of colored glass or plastic, and as you turn it through this system of mirrors with the light reflecting and reflecting, it creates this dynamic, ever-changing composition, and it's, it's beautiful, and it's really neat, and kids love it. And that's sort of what the local church is. Now, we all share this same calling to be saints and to be joined together in the fellowship of Jesus Christ, but our conditions, our circumstances, our situations are incredibly diverse and that's by design. The local church, each local church is like a kaleidoscope. We're not meant to all be the same. We're not a swath of monochrome paper. We are like a kaleidoscope. So back in verse 2 of chapter 1, we get a sense of this calling that is common among us. We are those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place Call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We all have this calling. With all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. But at the same time, we see in our main passage diverse conditions. Verse 20. 
Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Each one has their unique condition. And they don't need to abandon that unique condition to join some other condition that's common to all to respond to their call. They stay in their condition. Verse 24, So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. In the church, there is a a diversity of people, of races, of ages, of personality types. There's a diversity of gifts. There's a diversity of ways of approaching situations. There's a diversity of relational contexts. That's mainly what he's been talking about up to this point. Within the church, there are married people. Married people with great marriages. Married people with messy marriages. There are unmarried people. There are widows and widowers. There are divorced people. There are people who've been divorced and remarried. There are people who've had even more complex marital backgrounds. What Paul is saying is, in one sense, all that's a little bit beside the point. You can follow God's call and be God's saint in whatever condition you're in when you were called. You don't have to change your relational statuses. Now, taken for granted here is if you're living in some sort of sinful relationship, then the lordship of Jesus Christ will necessarily mean that you have to change. But in general, the church is made up of people from all kinds of different relational contexts. And then he gives these two examples, circumcision and bond servants, to show two other ways in which the church is diverse in regard to people's context, people's conditions. You know, circumcision, uncircumcision doesn't mean a whole lot to us. It was a big deal to the early church. You know, Christianity developed out of, evolves out of Israel and God's covenant relationships with the Jewish people for whom circumcision was a central symbol of their relationship with God, their special relationship with God. And so there was a lot of confusion about Gentile Christians like us if we needed to be have that physical sign of the covenant like they did. And there was a lot of back and forth about this. But Paul's saying, no, in this sense, none of that counts. None of that matters. Your, your cultural context is diverse, and that's on purpose. And then he gives the example of bond servants. Even economically, we're diverse. If you're a bond servant, you can stay a bond servant and pursue your calling in Jesus Christ. And so the early church would have had married people fellowshipping in Christ with non-married people, fellowshipping in Christ with circumcised people, fellowshipping in Christ with uncircumcised people, fellowshipping in Christ with uh, wealthy landowner people, fellowshipping in Christ with poor bond servant people all around the table of Jesus Christ. And it's beautiful and it's rich and it's dynamic and that's the way it's supposed to be. So you now, bringing this passage home to yourself, think about yourself and your condition, your circumstances, your situation in life. Think about the relational context you find yourself in right now. Your family, your co-workers, your friend circle, your neighborhood circle. That is your spot to live out your calling. Think about your cultural context, who you are race, ethnicity-wise. That is your context to live out your calling in Christ. 
Think about your socioeconomic context, where you fit in that regard. That's your context to live out your calling in Jesus Christ. You are the saint on site at your workplace, in your family, in your household. And you can live out your calling right there. You don't have to make major life circumstance changes in order to do so. The third thing, which flows directly from what we're talking about, live your calling where you are. You know, as modern Americans, we have such mobility, more, more than these Corinthians would have had. We have so many options of how we can change our circumstances, how we can tailor our lives, where we live, what kind of work we do, how we dress, who we associate with. And you'll hear often the lie that the secret to life and happiness is just to tailor your life a little better. The secret to life and happiness if you're not happy with your where you're working, you need to change your job. If you're not happy with the house you're living in, you need to get a bigger mortgage and a bigger house. If you're not happy with the neighborhood you're living in, you need to move to a different neighborhood. You can highly personalize your life in the pursuit of happiness. But what the scripture makes clear is that is not the secret to life. And you'll be a dog forever chasing his tail if that's your pursuit. That's not even a Christian way to think. The Christian way to think is, I have been called by God to be a saint in fellowship with all other Christians through Jesus Christ right here where I am. The way he talks about these conditions is amazing to me. Let's look at the example about circumcision in verse 18. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. So there's this huge debate raging about circumcision. I know it's a foreign thing to us. You're not thinking about that, but just put yourself in their shoes. This was a big deal. And Paul says, it doesn't matter. It doesn't count for anything. What counts is, keeping the commandments of God right where you are as a circumcised or uncircumcised Christian. This whole debate you're having doesn't count for anything. That's the language he uses. Look at what he says about bond servants with that second example, starting in verse 21. Were you a bond servant when called? A little bit about a bond servant, by the way. It might be translated slave in your Bible. It's not like the slavery we tend to think of in American history. That was something totally different. Now, being a bond servant was not a great social condition to be in, but it was nothing like the, the inhumane travesty that was the slave trade in America that you might be thinking of. It more closely would have resembled military service. It was an extremely serious, um, it was an extremely serious commitment that you were in due to either your own poor financial situation or some mishap. But masters weren't allowed to treat slaves in the way that we tend to think of. It's a little different, just so you know. Okay, I don't want you... Some people read this passage back then and used it as an argument to maintain the slave trade, which is utterly ridiculous in, in context of all of the scripture. So I just want to point that out. So he says, Were you a bond servant when called? 
Someone committed to a, a set period of time serving someone else to work off a debt or something like that. Do not be concerned about it. Were you a bond servant when called? Do not be concerned about it. Literally translated it would be, do not have a care about it. Basically, he's saying, who cares? Don't, don't worry about it. Who cares? This is a massive shift for us to think in these terms. Are you, in your life, living a life of burdensome toil that you cannot find a way out of? Paul says, who cares? You can keep God's command in that circumstance. You can pursue your highest calling in that circumstance to be a saint. Are you in a messy marriage? Who cares? You can follow God's commands in that circumstance. Are you in poor social standing? Who cares? You can keep God's commandment in that circumstance. Now, at this point in the flow of the passage, it starts to feel a little bit extreme, doesn't it? Especially to our modern American ears, which are so used to tailoring our lives for maximum comfort. The big idea before we move to the final point, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, and be thinking about your circumstance, the Bible's clear teaching is you can fully respond to your call right where you are. You can keep God's commands right where you are. It doesn't mean that God is not sensitive to the suffering you experience in that calling. It just means you don't have to change your circumstances to pursue it. But the final point I want to point out to you in verse 21 is that there is balance to this, though. Look at verse 21. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But then we get this, this parenthetical bit here. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. So the idea isn't whatever circumstance you're in, you're stuck. It would be sinful for you to try to change it. You just need to grin and bear it. The idea is you can, you can pursue your calling where you are. You don't need to change your circumstances for that. But if you do get the opportunity to improve your circumstances, go for it. You're totally free to do that. Avail yourself of of the opportunities that come your way. It's fine. If you have a chance to get a promotion, improve your circumstances at work, go for it. It's not sin for you to do that. But don't believe the lie that it's going to bring you fulfillment in your life to do that. Because your fulfillment comes from your calling which you're already able to enjoy. If you can improve your marriage, if it's a messy mess right now, do it. Avail yourself of any opportunity for it. But don't think that by doing so, you're going to find ultimate fulfillment for yourself because your ultimate fulfillment was never meant to come from your marriage. It was meant to come from your calling in Jesus Christ. If you can improve your living situation, if you can improve your home, if there's part of it falling down, you don't just have to deal with that. Avail yourself of these opportunities. You're free to do so, but you're also free from the lie that the secret to life and happiness is tailoring your life around your preferences. Now, we'll close by returning to our initial question. What does it look like to follow Jesus Christ as a modern American Christian? Well, in one sense, it looks like the same thing for all of us. Trusting him, following his commands, doing what he taught, 
being a saint along with every other Christian. In another sense, is highly specific. What that looks like in your context will be a little different from what it looks like in my context. Your challenges will be a little different from my challenges. Your opportunities will be a little different from mine. And that's the way God means for it to be. What would it look like for you to embrace your calling completely? For that to be the key defining aspect of your life, your calling as a Christian? What would it look like to embrace your calling in your current condition without changing anything circumstantially? What would it look like to fully embrace your calling in Christ? What would it look like to keep the commandments of God right where you're at? May we each lead the life that the Lord has assigned to us and to which God has called us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us time to just sit and hear it and listen to it and consider it and receive it. I pray for each and every one here, especially those who are in highly tense, highly stressful, highly confusing, high difficulty circumstances, that you would give them great wisdom as to what it looks like to pursue their calling in their current condition. Lord, we pray for relief for these things. You've called us to peace. But help us not to Help us not to be escape artists and just try to escape our situations. Help us instead to trust you with all our hearts. Lean not on our own understanding. Acknowledge you in all our ways. And trust you to direct our paths. In Jesus' name, amen.